Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by... Firehouse subs here on the game. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you on this Wednesday morning as we inch closer to another full weekend of college football as Wes is fumbling with his iPad over there. You good? I, I did not fumble. I thought you were going to drop <laughs> Still it. Still in hand. No, I'm trying to get it to. Okay. You don't, have, you don't have a case on that thing? Like a protective case? What do I need a case for my iPad for? Just in case you drop it. Do people do that? I think just the that back thing like you have that doubles as the I started with like a stand. screen protector. Like no. just crack the glass. Don't fumble. <laughs> well, nobody intends to fumble. I d I didn't even know that was a thing, honestly. I I had an I I have an iPad. It's old and doesn't work anymore, but like within the first day that I had it, my cat knocked it off of a counter and didn't crack it. But after that Bought a case. What you get for having a cat? <laughs> Not a cat person. No, I mean cats are fine. I should I shouldn't have said that. I also I too have the I think I have the first iPad ever created, and so it has iPad not, one. It's the yeah, it's well, like the iPad point five, and it, and it's hadn't come out in years. Well, it, it really gets to worked. the point where it won't even accept apps anymore because like, well, this update you have <laughs> iOS three, and now we're on twenty seven. <laughs> iOS one. That's right. Yep. You, you have to plug what? it into the Ethernet because it doesn't have <laughs> Wi Fi. <laughs> Yes. Were you about to pull up some that, film on that? That's normally Wes's film watching. Yeah, iPad. I saw he had like the ESPN app up. Yeah, so that's, what well, are, Tyler's what, got what, people thinking I was like fumbling it over here. Well, well really, I, so okay, so, no, so look, I it turned. Was stuck, it was and, stuck like, in the. You're holding it up, and I'm like, what is he? What is he doing? It was Just stuck in to, the non landscape, the what, portrait mode. What film were we breaking down today, Wes? So generally, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I put on the prior game mm-hmm. on. A Monday or Tuesday when we're sitting in here. Okay. And then I throw on the opponent's prior game on Wednesday. I don't know how much you're going to learn from them getting mauled by Alabama. Well, it's, it's not always. So you watch the prior game. Yep. And you actually, so when I'm at, at home, I actually listen to what the announcers are saying because that's when you get kind of a little, all right, I don't want to have missed a Johnny Smith is out for the year. <laughs> And then I start talking about them because I haven't watched that team or read about them. Right. So you got to watch the prior game just for the updates. They they do a terrible job of giving actual starting lineups these days. The starting oh, yeah. the starting lineups on TV used to be like sacred. I feel like now they sometimes don't even actually give them. Well, and when they do give them, sometimes they'll have like sixteen guys on it, or sometimes they have guys that aren't even playing. Yeah, like um when when uh when South Carolina went to Georgia, like. Miriam Brown was on that starting lineup. And he didn't make the trip. Yeah, like what? what and Terry is and I were this? looking at each other, like, I'm pretty sure he's still in Columbia. Why is he on that starting That's lineup? That's news but, to him. Yeah, they don't. Uh, they don't put as much time in those anymore. I, I like the strategy too of going back and watching. To your point, Tyler, about hey, maybe you don't learn much other than Alabama looks really good. Yeah, but you go back and watch like a closer game. Or something is that part of the strategy, Wes? Do you go back and watch? Uh, depends on the week. Depends on how much time so I have. So that the game they had against Tennessee, 
they held they they hung in yeah. there with them. Six point game. Yeah, um, he had a game against Missouri, and that was probably the best Evan Larry's looked all year. He against did Tennessee. Have, he, he did have a good game. I think that. I watched that game. It's been live. A, go back and watch. You know, I was listening to Mark Stoops' uh, press conference this morning, and uh, from this week, I think he talks on Mondays. Uh, Mondays. He's yeah, a Monday like, talker. Monday talker. Weirdo. He's a. Oh, he's like kind of salty, kind of. He seems kinda, mildly annoyed by a lot of things. Yeah, he, he is. Um, but I mean, they've had a rough stretch of it, right? They've lost four out of their last five. But but within that, and Shane Beamer pointed this out yesterday in his press conference, they have played four of the best teams in the league. You know, during that stretch, their lone win was against Mississippi State, which of course just fired their head football coach because they're not good. But they played Georgia. They played Missouri, who's been a revelation this year. They played Tennessee, and they played Alabama. That's a tough stretch. And so there's kind of some similarities between these two teams in that they've, they've each had struggles, Kentucky and South Carolina. The schedules have been very tough. Now, Kentucky, you look at their first five, they were 5-0. and oh. Well, look at their schedule. Ball State. Poor Ball State. Didn't they have to play Georgia, too? They, that, they that was did. their yeah. yeah. Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, at Vandy, and then they played Florida, and absolutely, well, that was the game that, you know, Ray Davis had 400 and, yards in. And at that point in time, Florida was 22nd in the country. and Like, wow, that's a that's huge a win. win. But yeah. as the season's gone yeah. along, and obviously Florida did come in here and beat South Carolina, we're like, eh, this Florida team isn't as good as maybe some people thought they were going to be at that point in the season. Well, Florida had beaten Tennessee at that point, too, mm-hmm. so I, I think we were looking at that as – a big win on their resume, and I mean, th- these are two pretty similar teams. I think when you look at their schedules and what they've done and kind of how they've matched up, the the big difference I I think being that obviously they beat Florida and South Carolina didn't otherwise uh, pretty similar years, and you know it's a, it's a good Kentucky team, uh, but I, I think the home field advantage is a, a big part of this conversation too. And can't you say that? in a lot of seasons when you talk about South Carolina and Kentucky, that they're similar in a lot of ways. And uh, Terry and I were talking about this yesterday because, and I'm sure you heard this, Chris, when listening to, um, you know, to Coach Stoops' press conference earlier on in the week, he was asked about, you know, if there's any animosity between him and Shane. And, you know, people talk about the fact that neither one of these teams have like a true set rival in the SEC. And going back to that, um, the scheduling model we talked about in the summer, and there was a lot of conversation about Kentucky and South Carolina potentially facing each other every year going forward with, you know, the changes in the SEC schedule, which they are on the schedule next year. Like these two teams would make sense as being rivals, right? Because for one, again, they don't have a built-in rival within the conference. They're pretty similar teams, you know, on a year and year out basis, seems like, and, and two teams that when you look at the schedule at the beginning of the season, I think every year you say, oh, we can beat Kentucky, and Kentucky probably looks at it and says, oh, we can beat South Carolina. Yep. Yep. And when you get to the end of the season, you're like, well, how'd you lose to that team? Like, they're very much on even footing a lot of the time. And before Mark Stoops got to Kentucky, this was a very lopsided rivalry, and he obviously turned them around and had it's had a very good stretch. You know, last year, obviously, South Carolina able to get them. They've had a little bit more success here lately, but yeah, it, it has become a little bit more of a natural rivalry. If it, honestly, here's another thing that both schools think. Both schools would like to say that it's not a rivalry because they would like to blow past the other. If you're South Carolina, you would rather be going and chasing Georgia, for instance, but you're not there. You are honestly trying to catch up to Missouri now. You're trying to see if you can pass Kentucky. Vice versa, Kentucky would like to say, 
right, we're, we're, we're way better than South Carolina. They're, neither of them are at this point. And so here we are. But it's interesting when you look at the future schedule. Remember, SEC schedule is changing a lot. And so when we go to the permanent model, Kentucky is one of the teams that has been – this has not been out publicly, but they are, they are one of the teams that has been said as a strong possibility to become one of South Carolina's three permanent opponents. And so Georgia presumably would go away, which is a bummer, but Kentucky might be a team that you continue to play every year. Any team that you play every year mm-hmm. with this new schedule has an opportunity to now be more of a natural rival. I'm trying to think back because it's been a while since we've talked about this, but Kentucky was one of them. Florida Florida, and Tennessee, I think. It, was it? Were they both on there? I can't. I, I think remember. it was because Georgia was out. Yeah. I think it was Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee. Okay. I could I could be wrong. I'll have to go back and look because it has been a while. And hadn't been a lot of conversation about that lately. It's died down a little bit. No, I, I mean, think those were the three. Once, once we kind of got in the midst of the season, that certainly died down. And again, it's going to be up to ESPN to pony up more money before they ever go to that ninth conference game. But you know, at, at least this, at least the SEC knows. It, what it's going to be doing the next couple of years. I talked about the end of the last hour, you know, Washington State and Oregon State won their court dealing with the other 10 schools leaving the Pac-12, at least for the time being, there can be an appeal. But, like, it's November, and they still don't have a schedule for next year. Like, I don't I don't know how you're going to piece that together in a couple of months. That's a mess. It is a mess. And now the the two Pac-12 schools. Pac-2, Tupac, the, whatever Tupac. we're calling it. Exactly. The Tupac, they uh, they're officially in control, which I, I that's good for them. I, I don't really know. I guess, and they said they're going to be fair to the other schools, but why would you be? They're leaving you out to dry. They're leaving you out to dry. You're totally fair. Yeah, you get you have all the control now. You hold all the cards. It's, it's a good thing. Wes, what have you learned about Kentucky and Alabama now that you have it there on the screen? Somebody's injured. Somebody is hurt. <laughs> but no. So the the first thing that catches my attention about Kentucky is. Man, they got some big dudes up front on defense. Like, um, they they run a a good bit of three down as far as their base defense, and it's just massive humanity up there. It's just like they – and I I don't even know the names of all their guys. It seems like every year they've got some new big nose tackle that just takes up way too much space. What was that guy a couple years ago who was like 6'6", 340 – he just wrecked. He wrecked everything. I can I cannot remember his name, but I can see him just making havoc. He was huge. So that 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 obviously, you know, I thought it was interesting. Beamer said they don't really try to surprise you on defense, but when I when I think of Kentucky, I just think they recruit the guys that fit their scheme. They they have a head coach who it's it's really his scheme. And so most years they look pretty similar defensively. And they're going to do the same things, but they're going to know the intricacies of what they're doing so, so, so well. And a lot of times you're going to get a lot of zone, which fans I I think love to hear, hey, man coverage, aggressive defense, and all those things. But they're going to come out. They're going to play their zone. They're going to try to stop you on first and second downs and and sort of take away your running game and then put you in – these situations where you have to throw into those tight windows and they've, they've just been so good at that over the years. And, um, big number zero for Kentucky is yeah. like taking up my whole iPad <laughs> screen here. So look out for him this week. Don't I think don't say, don't you love when a D lineman 
where is a single digit number. It's great. Makes Love is not bigger. the word I use, but it's it's great. D, D, uh, Marquan McCall was the guy. Six three three seventy nine is what he was. God, number fifty had a big game. Uh, he he was tough to deal with. And and number zero this year, as Wes alluded to, Dion Walker. He goes just six six three forty eight. A little yeah. lighter, a little, a little more evenly <laughs> distributed, <laughs> proportioned, but um, but but nonetheless does not make you feel better because he is six six three forty eight, and they always have one of those just big space eaters in the middle. They got big. You look at JJ Weaver, who's an outside linebacker, really kind of more of a defensive end from them, but he's you know six five two fifty. They have a bunch of really really big guys up front, and they kind of do what they do defensively and challenge you. What do, what do y'all think the game flow is for this matchup? Like, I I think you look at it. You're really, if from a South Carolina perspective, you're really worried about Ray Davis just going off on you. But then I look at their defense and I'm like, all right, is this a game we should expect South Carolina to be able to score 35, you know, and, and kind of have another big game offensively at home? I I don't know. We will break that down and hear coach beamer's scouting report on kentucky in just a moment but as always thank our friends over at firehouse subs and it's such a great support of the gamecock central takeover hour guys i did y'all wrong yesterday with firehouse subs i, I brought in before the show so early main street opens at 10 30 <laughs> yes i brought in the new thanksgiving turkey sub and i ate it all to myself i didn't even let you sample it y'all be able to do that actually on monday though we'll be live at Firehouse Subs, USC location. Like right there. Right there on campus, 633 Main. We'll be there 9 to noon, and I hope, I'm sure, they will let y'all sample the Thanksgiving turkey sub. I'll sample it again. It is a limited-time offering. You may be used to the regular Firehouse turkey. This is a little different. It's got the carved turkey. It's got cranberry sauce. It's got mayo, and it's got dressing. That's what we call it in the South. It's outstanding. It's like Thanksgiving. Take your Thanksgiving plate, put it on a sandwich, Best of both worlds. Best of Firehouse Subs. Best of Thanksgiving. Get it for a limited time, firehousesubs.com, or download the Firehouse Subs app. Use the Rapid Rescue. You can order it right there. We'll get Coach Beamer's scouting report on Kentucky coming up. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. We are going to be on location coming up tomorrow out at Gold Line Framing at 511 12th Street, in West Columbia from 9 until 12, come by and see us. Terry's going to be out at the Nest tomorrow from 12 to 3. That is out at 1331 Gadsden. Jay and Terry are going to be out at Todd Moore tomorrow at 620 Hugey Street. That all leads into Carolina Calls at 6 o'clock. And then the women's basketball team in action against Clemson at 7. Pre-game coverage starting at 630 on our sister station, uh, ESPN 1320 WISW. So a very busy Thursday here on the game tomorrow. Talked about this in the last segment, let's hear what Coach Beamer had to say yesterday in his presser, giving a little bit of a scouting report on Kentucky for this weekend. And need our fans to be great, as well as our team on Saturday. Got a big challenge against Kentucky. You know what you're facing when you face a, a Mark Stoops team, physical and competitive, extremely well coached, and this team is, is no different. They've played some really good teams here over the last five weeks, uh, arguably the four best teams in our league. Uh, when you talk about Alabama, Georgia, um, Tennessee, and who they lose the other one? Missouri, uh, the four teams. So that's four losses in their last five games against some really good teams. And, and they've, you know, um, uh, 
are really, really talented. Obviously, with offensively, it starts with the, the run game and uh, the way they're able to run the football, big offensive line, accurate quarterback that can make all the throws, and then a really talented group of receivers and tight ends that we've seen the last uh, couple years. Defensively, uh, Coach Stoops is a defensive guy. They do a fantastic job, well-coached. Um, don't really necessarily try and trick you with what they do. They're very good at, and uh, they know how teams try and attack it, and they're very well-coached and very disciplined. So you have to beat them uh, from – a offensive standpoint versus their defense and then really dangerous in on special teams with talented returners and and um, good cover teams so it'll be a big challenge for us we need a great week of practice had a good day today and uh, need our crowd to be an advantage for us on saturday night and no they will be uh i think he used the well coached team cliche a total of three times in a minute and a half there <laughs> which is uh, a go-to for him um when you look at the numbers, though, between Kentucky, both offensively and defensively, compared to South Carolina, pretty comparable in a lot of ways. Like, again, we talked about this earlier. These are two, I'd say, pretty evenly matched teams here. Evenly matched but built differently, I think, which is what makes it very interesting. You know, I think Kentucky a little bit better on defense than South Carolina. South Carolina much better in the passing game, much better at the quarterback position. Think Kentucky, and then you look at Ray Davis, uh, the Kentucky running back, um, you know, arguably will be definitely one of the best players on the field on, on Saturday night. And just is one of those guys, man, as, as Beamer talked about too, he can kind of create something out of nothing. And I, I think for, for South Carolina, you know, I, I, I don't think that the, the missed tackles have been quite as big of an issue as maybe the perception is like I, I think if you look at just the the raw numbers South Carolina is kind of middle of the pack but there have been games where that has been a, an issue for them so Ray Davis is one of those guys he's gonna create some missed tackles like that's just a fact of life but you cannot let him get in these one-on-one situations you've got to rally to the football you've got to put yourself in a spot where you can have one two three guys kind of um gang tackling him and then if if he does make somebody miss you got to have somebody else in a position to kind of come along and, and clean it up there's only one game in which ray davis didn't force a missed tackle it was against vandy and i'll presume that they were just so bad that they couldn't it just tackled him like after get, 10 yards or something couldn't get near him or he no, just took it easy on his old team he, he might have but man look at look at this one though against florida which was ray davis's breakout game like he was good at Vandy last year nobody really knew sure you know I mean even against South Carolina he had a great game they got beat pretty handily pretty comfortably he forced 11 missed tackles against Florida in that game um graded out at a 91.1 according to PFF in the run game so that's outstanding and had eight runs of 10 yards or more so he's forced 42 missed tackles this game or not this game this season so he's He's a guy that, like Wes said, you know, you're, you're going to be watching on Saturday and there's going to be some grumbling because he will force some missed tackles. That's what he does. He does it against everybody. But can you limit it, right? If you have an opportunity where you've got him dead to rights in the backfield, if you got two guys there, you have to finish and you have to create some negative plays and not let him turn zero into three or seven or turn five into 20. That's what you've got to avoid on Saturday. What what more could my man have done? He, I mean, a 91, 
what do you say, 91.1, 91.9? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I watched that game. He, especially the first half, he, I mean, he single-handedly just about put Kentucky in position to win the game. So, yeah. I, I don't know what else he could have done. The fact that every run wasn't a touchdown. I mean, that's it. it was close to <laughs> it. Like, it was. I mean, that was his, uh, I mean, he went off that day. And, uh, you know, I was going to say it was a coming out party, but he, he really quietly has been doing this for two seasons. Uh, coming out from a, a wider perspective, like nationally, his name was known coming out of that game. Yeah, what what are the NFL thoughts on him? I, I mean, I know running backs aren't valued anymore, but, I mean, I, I got to think there's some um, there's some big value here for him, at, at least in the context within the running back group. But, um, I, I mean, to, th- this is the key to the football game Saturday. And, you know, I, I think it goes a little bit deeper than the whole, you know, stop the run, run the football. It's make – this kid earn his yardage because if you don't if you're start if you're getting to the point where he he is getting to the second and third level before there's contact he's gonna make you look bad like he's gonna get his yards like I I don't know what you would set the over under for him right now but he is he's gonna get his yardage so for South Carolina it's make him earn those extra yards make make a six-yard run be that he he drug you three yards because, frankly, he's going to do that from time to time. You just don't want him turning an eight-yard gain into a bunch of explosive plays. Looking at this on Walter Football, scrolling through the list of running backs they have available for this year's draft, and on this, he's not even cracked their top 15. Okay. So, and, again, that's, that, that's just one um, list. but Burn that list to the yeah, ground. <laughs> uh, just for, for reference there. Who they got number one? Uh, Henderson from Ohio State. Was yeah. he? He wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the year, was he? Or he was just kind of splitting time because they had one bat get injured. I don't know. Regardless, yeah, anyway. Ray Davis is really good. I mean, he could be one of those guys that ends up being a steal late in the draft sure. or something like that. Really good player, he's but a, he's the one that you're like, oh, how did this guy fall so far down the draft? Well, and this is one where. Now, Devin Leary's been up and down, Kentucky's quarterback. And so we've said this before, especially given South Carolina's run game inconsistencies and struggles at times, this has to be one where, you you know, you make the quarterback beat you. And it's easier said than done because they've got capable receivers, tight ends. Devin Leary, more than capable guy. What you can't live with is looking at the box score after the game and saying, oh, Ray Davis had 225 yards. That's that's not what you want to see. If Devin Leary throws for – 380 you're not going to be happy but if he's the one that beats you it's it's more understandable sure um we'll hear more from coach beamer talked a little bit about the three-man front on defense and how that could factor in to this weekend's game that's all coming up you're listening to the game central takeover hour presented by firehouse subs here on the game welcome back in game central takeover hour presented by firehouse subs here on the game, Tyler Weston, Chris, along with you, previewing Kentucky this upcoming weekend. Coach Beamer speaking yesterday, and Dave, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you about this in the break there, but can we get a cut number three here? Him talking about the three-man front on defense for the Gamecocks. Yeah, I think each week is different. Um, you know, Kentucky plays a different style of football offensively than Jacksonville State does. You know, Jacksonville State was going to go a million miles an hour and try and run 100 plays a game. Um, 
Uh, Kentucky does not. They're going to get with multiple personnel groupings and shift motion and, and try and shorten the game and run fewer plays. I think they're averaging like 58 plays a game offensively or something. Uh, Vanderbilt was different than Jacksonville State. Kentucky's different than Vanderbilt. So every week we're going to do what gives us the best chance to be successful. You know, knock on wood, we've played pretty good defense against Kentucky the last couple of years, primarily playing out of a, you know, four down look as well. So we'll see each week is different without a doubt. Um, you do what gives you the best chance to be successful. And then where it came from was really, um, honestly, just hadn't been playing good defense uh, throughout the year. And after the Missouri game kind of said, what's the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. So I say that, yeah. And uh, not that we were playing bad. I mean, we held Georgia to 24 points and played good defense, but just giving up too many explosive plays and needed to get, you know, more athletes on the field at more, more often, that being Bam Scott, Jaron Willis, you know, whoever it might be. So um, we've always played some – three down, odd, whatever you want to call it. This this is a little bit different in that we're doing it with, you know, a little bit of a different personnel grouping out there. And while it does matter, you know, what your opponent does with the things that you do on defense, it does seem like South Carolina has gotten more comfortable running this more and more over the past couple of weeks. Talk about this package with like Bam Martin Scott, Jerron Willis over these past couple of games last week and obviously ran it a lot. Bam Martin Scott ended up having a really good game. So it seems like something that they're implementing more and more as the weeks go by, and we could see even more this weekend against Kentucky as well. Yeah, so it, the, at least this past week, and some of it is obviously matchup dependent, but this past week, it, that was their base defense. I mean, they at very first snap, they're in the three three five. Now they did run some four man fronts, but um, you know they they were in three three five more they, than they were in their four two five, which I, I think is very very interesting. They also have multiple personnel packages within that three three five. So early downs, you know, short yardage and, and really just regular, you know, first and ten, second and anything other than second and long. It it seems like uh, you know, I, I think people maybe glossed over the fact, Chris, that um Nick Barrett actually started the game on Saturday. Uh, TJ Sanders was playing more of kind of a defensive end role and uh, Tyreek Johnson started this game at, at defensive end this past week. So um a little bit different personnel-wise up front when they go to this three-three-five look. Now, once they get into some pass rush downs, then it was more of the package that we saw, you know, the week prior and the prior, you know, the week prior from that, Texas A&M, which is when they debuted this. And that, that was more, they kind of slid one of their outside guys, at least in the base three-three-five. TJ Sanders back inside. You had, uh, you had uh, excuse me, Jordan Strong on the outside again. And then... Bam Martin Scott, his role really grew into him being an every down linebacker as opposed to just a third down linebacker. And uh, Jaron Willis continued to be a third down backer, which is what this has kind of introduced. So I I think there's a chance we see a little bit less of it this week, potentially just because of the matchup. But that obviously is going to depend heavily on what personnel we see from Kentucky as well. Yeah, if if Kentucky comes out and they're – Obviously going to run Ray Davis. They got a couple tight ends in there. Odds of us seeing a, a ton of that 3-3-5 front, probably not as good, right? I mean, this is a game that you would anticipate is going to be played more in the box. And then if you can get into third and longs, then that's when you're unleashing that package. We saw a lot of that, especially last week. 
third downs, fourth downs. There were a couple fourth down situations where Vanderbilt had to try to pass the football. We saw Jaron Willis coming on blitzes, and we saw Bam Martin Scott, you know, being able to play to their strengths. And Beamer there in his press conference mentioned getting more athleticism on the field. And that was kind of the genesis of all this, of, you know, seeing Jaron Willis in scout team situations and just say, man, this guy's starting to come on. He's starting to flash. He's always had athleticism. Bam Scott, it's not going to be – well, I, I won't say that for sure. I don't know if it's going to be as big of a jump as like a Xavier Leggett, but Bam falls into that category of a guy that you look at and you go, wow, look at that guy, and then he shows the flashes every now and then, which Xavier Leggett did for his first four years at South Carolina. Then he had this huge breakout year. Bam could technically come back, I think, next season, and so is he the guy – that ends up having, again, doesn't have to be a Xavier Leggett-esque breakout year, but is he the one that where the production starts to match the physical tools? I think we're seeing some, some of that this year, and that's big you know, for a team that has had some issues stopping the run, um, wants to get more athletic, more athletic at the linebacker position. That's something we talked about coming into this year. Be able to rush the passer more. He's kind of what the doctor ordered, and so his, his emergence, I think, has been, been pretty important. So South Carolina, at least uh, historically under Clayton White the last couple of years, a lot of times, even when facing two tight ends, they have at times kind of stuck with their their sort of four two five, and then at other times we have seen them use some four three personnel. They used it in the bowl game last year. I wonder if the emergence of Bam Martin Scott puts you in a position this week, especially if you're you're getting those two tight end looks. To maybe feel a little bit more comfortable, not three three five, but sort of traditional four three, and and having Stone Blanton as a tra- traditional middle linebacker, and then Debo Williams and Bam Martin Scott on either side of him, that is part of their packages. They we just do not see them run that a ton, but against Kentucky, they're going to line up a lot of times. They're going to do a lot of pre uh, you know pre snap motions, pre snap shifts. They're going to make you get make you get your eyes in the right spot, but. You know, I, I think South Carolina probably feels a little bit more comfortable with those three guys on the field than they maybe once did. And I think that I think that protects Stone Blanton a little bit more too because it puts him in a little bit more of a traditional spot where he can go play in the box as opposed to having to cover as much ground on the field. So that, that would be something to keep an eye on this week, I think, as well as they try to limit Ray Davis. And um, it's been – his splits, his, like, game log, Splits are very interesting this yeah. year. Yeah, and, and again, they've played such high-quality defenses specifically, but just teams in general over the course of this, you know, five-game stretch where they've lost for those games, you know. And I, I looked this up earlier. Like, when you look at run defense in the SEC, Mississippi State's is pretty comparable. South Carolina's are pretty close in the number of yards they give up per game, and Davis went, I think, 21 carries for 80 yards against them a couple weeks ago in that win. So that's kind of your litmus for something slightly comparable to what you could potentially see against South Carolina this weekend. So we're a few days from kickoff. If if you told South Carolina fans, hey, you can sign for Ray Davis to have 21 carries for 80 yards right now, today, oh. you yeah. – you're you probably you can't win find that game. you can't find a pin fast <laughs> enough yeah. to sign that um, that because you know you look Alabama Alabama severely limited him but again like we were talking about earlier that really that and, doesn't well they got in a twenty one nothing hole pretty quick in that game so you're having to like all right I don't know how much running the ball is going to do for us here 
Yeah, but God, 12 carries for 26 yards, like yeah. for a guy like that, I mean, that's uh that's that's crazy. Tennessee 16 for 42. Um I, I mean, he he's obviously very very good in his own right like as a talent, but I, I think it does show you he he can be slowed down. Sure. And if Mississippi State can do it, South Carolina, I think, is going to have some level of confidence that they can come in there and at least limit him. Like, I, yeah. he's going to have a couple of breakaways, probably. He's going to have a couple of explosive runs. But as far as just – you just got to avoid him taking over the football game, right? Like, you can't right. have him do to you what he did to Florida yeah. to where he's the <laughs> entire story. Yeah, and, you know, on the flip side of that, you got to hope Devin Leary doesn't throw for 400 yards, which – We've had that conversation many times. Season I, you slow down the run game, make the quarterback beach, and how many quarterbacks have done just that? You got and you got to just you got to pressure him, man. Like I, I look, I, I actually flipped on the South Carolina Kentucky game from last year, and obviously very different story. They were starting their backup quarterback, you know, first career start for him, and but but Carolina really, as the game went on, got after him and and was able to put some pressure on him, and uh, you know they had some early forced turnovers and big special teams plays too so um it, it really started off very well to the extent that i don't know if you can compare that game much as far as teaching us anything about this year um but i think you're, you're gonna need carolina on offense to be a good bit better this year than they were against that kentucky defense last year and certainly two years ago as well when it was just an old school sec battle here in columbia where points were, were at a premium Last year, the defense and special teams set up the offense so well that it there, there really was not as much pressure. And, and Chris, if you remember, they kind of got Marshawn Lloyd going and, and were really hard-headed in the running game, and, and then Juice Wells had a big score late. Absolutely. We'll hear more from Coach Beamer coming up, including the conversation that we talked about yesterday as far as what you're going to do with uh, some guys in terms of their red shirt eligibility. It's coming up. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Sub. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you for a few more minutes. We're jumping into the halftime show with myself and Terry Ford on this Wednesday. We'll continue to react to what we heard from Coach Beamer in his presser yesterday. Uh, we had this conversation yesterday morning in reference to guys and redshirt eligibility. Obviously, this past weekend, the uh, you know you lose Juju McDowell for the rest of the season with the collarbone injury. DJ Braswell has to come in, uh, play some more, which he was already seemed to be factored into the game plan a little bit. But now you're facing these next two games where you might have to end up burning his um, redshirt eligibility. Here is what Coach Beamer said about that redshirt conversation with some players. It's a back and forth, and I think every week you – I'm – worried about the future of our program and that includes every individual in our program but I'm also worried about beating Kentucky and winning next week as well in, in the 2023 season so I think you know for us with those conversations guys roles red shirting it's always being honest with them and communicating with them what they want where they see things where we see things here's what we're going to try and do we don't want to play in a game if you're only going to play five plays in a game but if you got a chance to play 25 30 35 40 whatever it is that's a different story so I think it's doing what's best for your team and that individual in the short term but also having a long-term vision and um yeah, and just kind of making making good decisions but every situation I think is is different but at the end of the day Mike we just want to be 
honest with guys and make sure we're on the same page and not get to the end of the season and that guy's ticked off because we didn't convey to him what our plans were one way or another. And when talking specifically about Braswell, it seems to be that they were hoping to preserve that redshirt eligibility as he'd only played, um, you know, in the Furman game. Then he got in against Jacksonville State the other weekend then played against Vanderbilt. But again, going into these last two games where other than him, Mario Anderson's your only scholarship running back. If you want to win these last two games, you might have to put him out there on the field for a total of five games and burn that red shirt. Yeah, because, I mean... I don't really know what other options you, you might have at this point. And, you know, Joyner is, is very doubtful this week. I, I don't think you can expect to, to get anything out of him this week. And then yeah, I kind of feel like it would take a very kind of miraculous recovery for him to be one of your, your main backs for Clemson as well. So I think when you're in this situation, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. Like, um, you know, if, if he can go play, then – then and you just go play him and, and let him have try to have an impact and, and maybe it creates a situation where he can really build some momentum going into next year. And then I, I think certainly if if you can win the two and, and go to a bowl, then you uh, kind of take advantage of, of trying to play him as much as possible down the stretch. He's been helping on some special teams as well on the kickoff coverage team. And, um, you know, I think he just wasn't ready earlier this year. And uh, now he's put in a situation where the combination of him continuing to come along and the circumstance around him it has put him in a spot where he's your, your number two running back. So my question's here, and we're going to find out pretty soon, but um, do we see even more Mario Anderson? Do we see Lenora Sellers in short yardage, right? Because we are going to see more Braswell. I, I don't think we're going to get to the Kentucky game or the Clemson game. And we're all sitting there going, man, we haven't seen Braswell yet. Like, he's going to play. Um, that's pretty obvious. You know, South Carolina, let's let's say on the low end they play, I don't know, 60 snaps in this game. That'd be a, a pretty low total. Mario Anderson's not going to be out there for 60 of them. So what do you do with those other, you know, is it 20, is it 10? What is it uh, for Braswell? We'll see him some. Do we see Lenore Sellers in some of those shorter yardage situations or some different packages? I tend to think probably so. Yeah, I think it's definitely something you have to look at. I would think you're probably going to see Anderson at a higher percentage clip mm-hmm. than we've seen when it was him and Joyner. Yep. And, um, you know, I- I'm trying to think, guys, do you potentially give yourself, leaning back on last year, do you give yourself something that's a little bit outside the box? I, I don't think you have any more options at running back, but – Remember the uh, Adkins sort of personal protector tweak we saw last year on passing situations. Do you potentially, you know, Joyner was your your best pass pro guy at running back. Is there somebody, I don't know, a Connor Cox, a Nick Elksness? um, Is there somebody that can give you a little bit of a just specialist role maybe on some third down situations. I, I think we've seen them get creative the last couple of weeks. They they haven't had their two tight end looks the last couple of weeks, so that meant two weeks ago that was more two running back and three running back stuff. This past week that was, hey, let's throw John Darius Morgan in there as a tight end. So we, we've seen them get creative. I'd imagine you got to continue to do that. 
Absolutely. And we'll see what they do uh, this upcoming weekend against Kentucky. We'll continue to break that game down more as the week uh, goes along. Tomorrow, guys, going to be out at Gold Line Framing. Once again, that's out at 511 12th Street out there in West Columbia. So when they come by and see us, uh, see if maybe we can get somebody from uh, uh, was guys at Kentucky that can give us some more insight into what's going on with the Wildcats tomorrow. We'll see. Maybe. Give it a shot. See, see what we can do. See what we can do. <laughs> So uh, that hopefully will be coming up tomorrow. Again, going to be out gold line framing. 511 12th Street in West Columbia. Come by and see us for a very busy Thursday here on the game. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with myself and Terry Ford coming up as we continue to react to what Coach Beamer had to say and take a look around everything else going on in college football. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.